Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, Jan Okçoğlu from American University in Washington, D.C. And I'm very happy to launch the Kurdish study series of New Books Network. Today we have our first guest, Dr. Zeynep Kaya, who is based in London teaching at SOAS. And she is also affiliated with London School of Economics and um, Cambridge University. She's also editor of Kurdish series um, affiliated with London School of Economics Middle East Center. Welcome, Zeynep. Hi, Dilan. We are very happy to have you. We are going to talk about your book, um, which you have recently released from Cambridge University Press. It's called Mapping Kurdistan, Territory, Self-Determination and Nationalism. Uh, So let's start with some general questions, uh, Zeynep. Um, Actually, I was curious about uh, the um, story behind this book. So can you tell us about your intellectual history and how that history informs your interests in studying Kurds and Kurdistan through the lens of debates on territory, self-determination, and nationalism? Um, thank you, Dilan. First, thank you for um, having me on, um, on, the, on this podcast, and congratulations on the launch of the, of the podcast. Um, so the question of intellectual history, I think, is in my case very much connected to my personal history. Um, so I grew up um, in Turkey, and I'm from uh, Van, which is at the border of Iranian, uh, Iran, at the border of uh, Iran, um, and very close to the border, basically. And um, we were. Um, we lived there for about four years, and then we had to move uh, elsewhere uh, after the uh, military coup. Um, but then uh, we obviously stayed in contact. You know, we always went and visited our family there, and etc. So um, growing up elsewhere, but being from Eastern Turkey or Kurdistan, um, I've been always, you know, been asking, you know, where are you from? Oh, so you're from Kurdistan, or you're are you Kurdish, or you're not Kurdish? So these types of identity issues, um, especially during that time uh, when I was growing up in the 1980s, uh, were quite prominent. Um, the Kurdish, the PKK had just launched its uh, uh, conflict, you know, the war against against the Turkish government. Um, so the political environment was very tense, and etc. So as I grew up in that environment, uh, and my father was very political. Um, he was. Uh, you know, he was always kind of discussing these things with his friends, and it, there was always some political issue being, comf- you know, having been discussed in the house, books and everything. Um, so, you know, from a young age, I became very much interested in politics. I always wanted to study uh, uh, politics from a from a young uh, age, uh, and the things that I read and the things that were discussed around me, I guess, informed um, informed that kind of desire. Um, so I basically studied then um, international relations uh, and politics, and then I really enjoyed um, the research side of things. 
Um, and I wasn't sure about going to the employment sector, so I wanted to uh, further study. Uh, so I did a master's and then I really enjoyed that process so, and I decided to do a PhD. Um, and doing PhD abroad during that time, so this was early 2000s and it was still a bit of a difficult time to work on the Kurds in Turkey. So I, uh, uh, did, I did my PhD in the UK so um, and I always wanted to study on, on the issue of Kurds. Um, so being abroad also gave me the opportunity to to pursue that uh, that that goal, um, basically that's kind of the background in my interest in, in about my interest in um, in Kurdish and Kurdish Kurds and Kurdish studies. Yeah. And territoriality, yeah. Go ahead. Um, so I think the most intriguing part of your research is uh, your focus on the connection between territory and people. And while you do that, you also make it clear that you want to go beyond state-centering perspectives because that uh, it, it kind of dominates the field of international relations. Um, and, and actually the case in political theory or international law is not so different from international relations because the questions of territory and territoriality has been significantly neglected. Uh, uh, why do you think this is the case? Mm-hmm. I think, uh, well, I, you know, it's kind of my interest in the identity between, you know, people and um, and uh, and territory. Actually, again, I think I should have to go back to my, um, like, you know, when growing up in Turkey, especially, people ask you where you're from, and then they associate um, kind of your identity, uh, your political position, so on and so forth, with your with where you are from, the location that you are from. So that was, um, you know, and being from Eastern Turkey uh, and then not living there. So, um, you know, when I said, when I would say, you know, I'm from this region, they would immediately say, oh, so you're, 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 you're kind of, you're Kurdish or you're this or you're that. So there's a lot of categorization, you're this, you know, the geographical imagination of, um, of identities. Uh, which you know is a very complex process identity formation and very much neglects the idea that you know people um, can choose uh, their identity can uh, shape their political affiliations you know they are not bound by uh, where they are born uh, who they are born to what type of family they are born to um, you know or ethnic um, linguistic other types of uh, indicators uh, so I've always been quite uh, puzzled by how much uh, these naturally seen um, uh, indicators of identity are taken so much for granted um, and territory is one of them um, in Turkey you know the idea of nationalism nationality is very prominent you know the Turkish state boundaries is always kind of seen as sacred um, uh, it's a very uh, state you know uh, very traditional kind of state understanding of state and then we imagine everyone within those uh, boundaries as belonging to a particular identity so um so they, they, intellectually these uh, were never fully made sense to me um and i wanted to question that um and i've always been interested in maps um and these territorial imaginations 
of identities, um, map drawing, and so on and so forth. So that also was another kind of, uh, you know, reason why I I pursued this. But I basically wanted to question the taken for grantedness of of territory and also the you know um, the gap in the in the literature on on concept on the concept of territory. As you said, is is you know it's changing now, but it was particularly the case um, when I started my PhD. Um, and in the case of Kurds, um, despite territory and territoriality, territorial imagination being such a central um, notion in, in the construction of Kurdish nationalism and historiography, it hasn't been studied almost at all. Um, so I wanted to also pursue that and you know, do something uh, that would contribute to the literature. Definitely, topic. and I think it's a very significant contribution, given that there's a huge gap in the literature, especially when we look at uh, the uh, growing Kurdish studies um, literature, but also uh, the broader literature of international relations. So, But despite that, the number of dissertations, articles, and books focusing on the territorial, like focusing on the question of territory, both its ter- uh, theoretical and empirical dimensions have been Growing. Uh, in political theory, um, we know there is Margaret Moore, David Miller. They are looking at the question of territory, but also territorial rights, who belong to where and who is entitled to uh, that particular territory, especially in terms of conflicting interests. On the other hand, we have those comparative, more empirical studies uh, looking at the question of secession, self-determination. And I think in your book, uh, you you actually... Uh, connect these different kinds of uh, discussions, ongoing discussions on the question. That's why it is something difficult to do. Um, so that's why it is a kind of multi multidisciplinary work which lies at the intersection of different fields. But I'm wondering, Zainab, I'm wondering where you prefer to uh, create your book within this broader picture. I mean, Dilan, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's an interdisciplinary work, um, and I, uh, I, again, like you know, it's, it's kind of I don't want to categorize it in a way that's it's particularly in this in this field or that field, um, because it's very hard to do that uh, because it belongs to um, multiple. It's, I, I I benefited inside from insight intellectual and analytical, theoretical, conceptual insights, empirical insights from all those um, uh, disciplinary perspectives you just you just mentioned. They all informed the work. Um, and that's one of the reasons I ended up, uh, you know, uh, dropping on. So, somehow when I was working, when I started working, I was very much, you know, focusing on IR and the Kurds. But the more I started to go into the issue of identity, construction of identity, territory, I ended up diving into political geography, um, nationalism, literature. Um, and then also um, the work ended up becoming very historical. So I also started to you know, uh, have, a, have a historical approach. It's been, it's been, it turned into a book that it's impossible to allocate where it is um discipline where it's home discipline uh, and i think in the process i've also lost my own home discipline i don't know which discipline i belong to now <laughs> so i i kind of 
yeah, I teach IR. I, it's kind of it's a familiar background for me. Um, but at the same time, um, I do uh, political sociology, political historical sociology, um, so on and so forth. So I think it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's I would say histor- it's a historical sociology is the is is a very you know strong element uh, for sure in my in my work um, as an approach um, to understanding. Uh, how um, in the long-term processes, um, uh, political processes change uh, and how they are um, changing in interaction with the changing international relations. Um, So therefore, international relations is also very, very central. So I would say international relations and historical sociology uh, are the main things. And it's funny, I keep coming back to those, those themes in my work. Uh, when I, I did my master's in Turkey and my uh, master's dissertation was international historical sociology of international relations. So that's when I first met with the with this kind of approach, and I think that really shaped my um, my general understanding of of things. So very abstract, very um, uh, hardcore IR theories um, don't fully, in my opinion, explain things as if they 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 lack the flesh, the empirical. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it's import, you know, information uh, and historical sociology. I think gives me an ability to um, have this, you know, historical, empirical, but long-term kind of generalizable um, information. Uh, so, yeah, so that's where I am basically. It's a very general. It has a very general approach. Obviously, it's very long-term. So I don't go into detail into too much on on the case studies. Um, or in the you know history of the Kurdish nationalism, history of the Kurdish politics. So it's a very broad over, uh, overlook. So therefore, it still has the IR elements, I think, in terms of yes, understanding yeah the interaction. Yeah. So very long answer to your uh, very good question is uh, I guess yeah IR and historical sociology would be the main kind of. It also, is uh, Zainab, I think we need this kind of contributions, especially within the field of IR. I mean, we need this kind of challenges coming from the inside of the discipline, who like especially from those scholars who know the jargon, the basics of the literature and uh, IR, but also who can go beyond that so that. Uh, help us to understand the connections between IR, but also other subfields in political science and sociology. That's why it is a kind of, this book is kind of very uh, rich in terms of um, reconsidering the contours, the limits of those kind of subfields at the same time, I guess. Uh, So if you go back to the previous question, uh, I want to give you, little more time, especially to elaborate further on the main contributions of your work uh, to these literatures, both IR, Kurdish studies, political geography, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in my, um, my main starting point for, for this thesis, and that's, uh, I think, remain a key focus, is to bring the uh, study of Kurds, the case of Kurds, into the study of international relations. Um, as a uh, as a case, it hasn't been um, utilized or used in in IR, and I think it's a very rich case, and it, it helps uh, uh, question a lot of um, concepts in IR, or 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 um, you know help us 
uh, explore uh, the empirical impl implications of, of, of the theory. Um, it's a complex case, it's a non-state case. Uh, it very much challenges the you know, state uh, level explanations. Um, and then it's a, um, it's a case in which uh, there has been a strong element of desire to form a state. So the idea of state is there. Uh, but the physical entity of state isn't there in the case of Kurt. Uh, and I think empirically this is very interesting and I think it you know, poses a different challenge to, to, to IR. The other aspect of it is the um, study of nationalism. Obviously in IR, um, um, in my opinion, nationalism is very, uh, is, is, is studied in a very simplistic way. So not, I don't think, Especially when I was when I started my PhD, then um, the very rich conversation in the nationalism studies around identity construction, uh, the modernist perspectives, uh, perennialist perspectives, and the different kind of explanations um, these theories provided on on a variety of cases across the world, uh, which explains uh, you know the. Uh, processes of state formation, World War One, post World War One, you know, Cold War, all those processes with a very different lens. You know, it's sociological, it's historical, uh, it's political. Uh, so, me, you know, exploring that literature has been very informative for me, um, and uh, it was very refreshing as well, coming from a very kind of traditional IR training. Um, so, I also wanted to use the insights from the study of nationalism. Uh, in my work and bring this discussion into IR to kind of open up the concept of nation, uh, to open up the concept of state uh, and territory uh, and question these concepts um, through the tools that you know come from, from the study of nationalism uh, and nations and ethnicity. Um, so that's kind of uh, my goal. And I think um, nationalism, uh, so in a way, um, in a way, it's kind of became an eclectic, uh, eclectic study. Uh, but I, finally, I wanted to also contribute to the study of the Kurdish uh, politics. Um, um, in in the study of Kurdish politics, you know, it's becoming much. You know, there's a, there are lots of very valuable work has been produced on on the, on the Kurds especially in the last uh, 15 years, uh, 20 years. And this literature is getting richer and richer. And more and more uh, people from different disciplines are, are, are working on, on the Kurds, uh, which is brilliant. Um, but um, it, it's still, um, uh, you know, the, the dominance, the, you know, I, think, I guess the um, majority of the work on the Kurds um, uh, you know, looks at, looks at a bit of have a narrower focus in terms of uh, geographically or, or or historically, you know, periodically, um, uh, and and usually um, it's, it's some of most of the work is more micro level. Um, this big picture on this big picture, and the long term uh, study of the Kurds is mainly you know very classical, traditional, historical. Uh, account of the Kurds um, and their activities and their political activities. So I wanted to go a little bit beyond that and, uh, and, and look at it, look at this case from a more theoretical perspective, you know, and kind of use this case to um, create a bit of a more 
theoretical discussion, uh, which I think, you know, uh, Kurdish cases a lot to offer to, to these theoretical discussions around identity formation and, and state formation and so on and so forth. And then I think these debates have a lot to offer to Kurdish studies. Um, and, you know, basically that's what I wanted to do. So I wanted to kind of build bridges in my own way uh, between these, these different uh, fields. Which was difficult because um, I had to go through so much, so much literature and so many debates. Um, several times on on the way, I lost my way because I didn't know where it was going. It was just too much to to bring in because the scope was big. The, historically, it was a long term period. Geographically, a very wide region, but also intellectually, conceptually, theoretically, I was delving into so many, so many different things, and I was worried about the work being superficial and, um, you know, general because of that, uh, because, you know, you're just doing too much type of thing. Uh, but I also wanted to keep that, you know, big picture um, side of things and focus on the, very much focus on the idea of territory and, and how this has been shaped in the Kurdish case in relation to the wider international processes, changes in the notions of legitimacy, state formation, so on and so forth, because Usually, Kurdish politics is studied without much connection to the international processes, and if it's studied in that context, it's usually in the in the in the context of you know foreign policy or um, more kind of classical uh, foreign relations kind of perspective rather than more theoretical uh, IR discussions. Um, so that's what I tried to do, basically. Yes, definitely. And also you make it very clear that uh, you try to also uh, link Kurdish nationalism to international normative frameworks. That's also another challenge, I think. Uh, but you did a very good job in the book, uh, and I'm very happy to have you today. Uh, but I would like to... I would like to also go deeper, a little uh, more deeper into the theoretical contributions that you make here in this book. And it's obvious that a theoretical comp- contribution is not the only one that you make, because you also connect uh, uh, like uh, politics on the ground to certain historical processes, and you show us how it evolves over time. But I'm very curious, especially about the argument that you make here. Um, and I want to share this with our uh, audience now. Like, how do you think your argument uh, and theoretical framework in this book reshape our understanding of the relationship between territory, state, um, Kurds, but also Kurdish nationalism? Mm-hmm. Um, well. I wouldn't want to make the bold claim of reshaping. I think my contribution is a very like humble <laughs> contribution to to these discussions. Um, so I wouldn't want to. Um, I think it's just just basically I'm, I would I wanted to open a discussion on these on these issues uh, and question these things more uh, without, I guess. Uh, not going into the very much, you know, what is right and what is wrong, does Kurdistan exist or not? You know, I was really, I wanted to go beyond these questions. I'm not saying these questions are invaluable or shouldn't be discussed, anything like that. That's nothing, nothing like that, of course. Um, but coming from my own kind of uh, background and story of uh, for identity formation, you know, and I, I think as individuals we have a lot more autonomy about our identity so we are not born into it in my opinion 
uh, we don't uh, we are not determined by uh, by where we are born and our blood and blah blah, blah all those traditional nationalist kind of uh, conceptions of identity um, and it mainly comes from maybe from my background because um, you know being born in eastern Turkey um, I have a very mixed ethnic background um, and uh, I grew up not necessarily really thinking about identity that much um, so I was you know my mom is Circassian she has Kurdish uh, family and my dad uh Turkish um Croatian and then also some Armenian in also in the mix so it's just it's, it's a bit of everything and lots of people I think in that part of the world and in any anywhere you know we 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 are our identities are so layered and mixed and um multidimensional and there's also the element of you know our own individual uh, realizations of our of, of ourselves so um Therefore, um, in the case of Kurdish nationalism, I wanted to kind of go beyond these, you know, uh, debates around around that, and then kind of really try to understand, um, you know, this, the, the idea of Kurdishness, the idea of Kurdistan uh, and territory, um, without necessarily uh, falling into this, you know, uh, uh, you know, are you pro-Kurdish? Are you non-pro-Kurdish? You know, because our Field is very much dominated by these by these debates as well, like in any other field. That politically, it's a very uh, you know sore subject for many people, uh, including me. You know, we we it's a, it's a it's it's a it's an ongoing issue. Um, so intellectually engaging with these issues is, is always jarring and you know uh, is 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 not easy in. Uh, emotionally and, and otherwise, so I, I'm aware of these things. It's kind of the, my that was basically um, trying to understand, you know, um, what is what is territory? What is this link between nation and and territory, or people and territory? Where does it come from? Um, and then how does it how is it shaped by the international processes? You know, kind of almost trying to show. In any case, in any territory, whether it's a state territory or not, whether it was it has a historical background or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it does. It's not no no territorial conception, no territorial identity is natural, uh, whether it's a state territory or not. So that's kind of my my take on the on the question. Yes, um, and, yes. And also, you uh, use mm -hmm. uh, the map of Greater Kurdistan uh, as an example as an example to unpack. Uh, your arguments, I think, and show different, uh, like points, minor points, um, in the argument, uh, and because because you also say that political maps have the power to influence our imaginations, and I definitely agree that. Um, but it's interesting to see that the map of Kurdistan is not only used by uh, Kurds but also uh, scholars. Uh, so that's the another that's another important point that you make. Uh, but towards the end, uh, when I was reading the book, um, I also uh, saw that you make uh, another statement, uh, which I find thought-provoking. You say intra-group divisions among Kurds can, can be considered as a strength because Kurdish actors benefit from different circumstances. Um, and also they can uh, take advantage of that. Uh, 
However, um, I have some reservations with that. Uh, I'm really curious about your elaboration. Uh, so uh, what are the main barriers to Kurdish unity? And how do you think that marginalized groups can take advantage of this disunity of the existing situation, um, current international system, which is still state-centered? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. So that's kind of a, it, it came as an afterthought um, when I was, when I, you know, I, I, it, it, so there is no discussion on that, as you probably saw in the rest of the book. It was kind of a like post elaboration and discussion. Um, but I was thinking of this a lot during, right, when I was writing the section, the chapter on colonization and Kurdish and Kurdistan. Um, and in those debates, and also World War One period as well. Um, so the Kurdish political actors um, were not given the chance to form their own state. Um, and one of the biggest criticisms that was directed towards them was that they are not unified. Um, they don't have a common kind of leadership, political leadership. There are different groups. There are different languages, and etc. And etc. You know the classical debate about the dividedness of the Kurdish uh, Kurdish identity and etc. And I think this is a very um, paternalistic and arrogant view of, of a nation, of a group of people, uh, and and seeing the divisions as as a as something to be criticized. Uh, because I mean, when you look at the again, this is coming from more of different nationalism studies. Uh, when you look at any state. Um, in the world of nation states, no state has a unified kind of nationality. The fact that states are saying we are all British, we are all Turkish, we are all this and that doesn't mean that actually um, officially um, that might be the case. Uh, but when you look into the social uh, uh, structure uh, and and the um, and the society itself and its history. Its languages, uh, you know, its political uh, issues and geographic locations and everything. Actually, there is no unification. There is no uni- unitedness in that sense that we consider what nation is. So I just basically said my that point actually tries to um, uh, say that you know this you know the artificial nature of these ideas of nation um, and and the perceptions about unity are actually just perceptions, in my opinion, you know, and they they gloss over the uh, the richness and the dividedness, which is not a necessarily a bad thing because this, you know the nation has to be united is a is a myth that has been I think promoted uh, in this nation state process. Um, so I, I see where you're coming from, and you say you know where in, in a marginalized group in a in a group of people for a group of people who want to attain statehood or or recognition internationally. Um, so you know it doesn't create a con- contradiction that wasn't my that wasn't my aim i wasn't uh, i'm not trying to say that you know they should they should not you know there is no point about they should not be united or they should be united it's not about that it's about mainly a frustration with the constant reminder uh, in the kurdish historiography by external uh, people about the nature of the divided nature of the kurdish identity and seeing this as a weakness um, and uh, so I wanted to kind of challenge that external view of yes. the Kurds 
Um, and and I think it's what I mean with advantages. I don't know in the long term what will happen, but I think this um, uh, rich context has enabled the Kurdish politic political actors to be very flexible uh, and adjust to the new circumstances. You know, make new alliances um, and and somehow survive uh, very difficult. Uh, and challenging political processes and contexts throughout the 20th century, you know, 19th century, and and today. Um, so that's what I meant with you know, give strength because it gives them as political actors uh, more kind of flexibility and uh, and uh, adaptability. So that uh, they can also navigate around uh, very difficult uh, situations, maybe. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's exactly what yeah, I meant. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But also, this is, of course, uh, one way uh, of reading it. But on the other hand, um, it will uh, maybe bring its own crisis. Uh, so that's why Kurds are trying to deal with uh, that uh, in full force, uh, even if uh, they also continue to fight each other. Uh, this uh, brings us to the next question. Uh, and you, uh, it's about Syrian war, uh, the case of Rojava. Uh, you, you also use that example, uh, and you also offer us uh, many other examples in the book. Uh, that's why I find it rich. Uh, so you argue that the Syrian war itself uh, increased the competition between Kurdish parties, but also increased cooperation. Um, can you please tell us how this dual process has been working on the ground? Mm -hmm. So I think um, in the case of so, like if you talk about you know competition and rivalry is a very you know as you know very well uh, it's a common theme in the Kurdish political historiography, um, and I I think the the Syrian case pretty much brought up. Very different two political agendas um, that are prominent in in the contemporary Kurdish political arena: uh, the uh, the KRG model, if you like, um, and and the PKK model. And they have very different political positions, ideologies, um, you know, understandings of what a political um, system should look like, um, et cetera, and et cetera. Um, and KRG adopts a more kind of traditional uh, nation-state model, uh, whereas PKK challenges challenges this is a much more radical kind of uh, model. Um, and I think uh, with the Syrian case, um, more people became aware of the political uh, uh, kind of uh, arguments that are made by the uh, by the PKK's project, um, and and. The divisions became, you know, become more became more obvious uh, for for each group as well. Uh, particularly when they were um, trying to have more kind of uh, uh, political leverage in uh, in what was happening in northern Syria uh, and have an you know influence influence that process. Um, so KRG was especially KDP. Mm -hmm was trying to do that for the PKK. So there was also like that kind of competition going on between them over over shaping what was happening in, in Northern Syria in Rojava. So um, so that was the competition side of things. And obviously there are many more examples to this, uh, but this is mainly um, the, that, and I don't want to take 
more of your time with, with this. But in terms of cooperation, I think there are elements of cooperation, like you know, military cooperation support, especially um, during the uh, uh, conflict when when ISIS. Uh, attack the Yazidis, for instance. You know what? Um, how the uh, how several um, groups, uh, military milita uh, military groups, uh, cooperated and coordinated with each other to, to support the Yazidis, and you know in that process, uh, YPG forces played a, played a key role. Um, and then uh, in, in the case of Kobani is another one. Um, so that's kind of more military, more physical cooperation. But what I think I want to emphasize in that context more the um, uh, the, the 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 sense of solidarity and the sense of uh, connectedness uh, with the other Kurds across the borders. I think increased um, in the case of Kobani, for especially is a key case. I think it's a it's a it's a um, really important. Uh, event, I think, in the Kurdish Kurdish history and national history, uh, nationalism history, and the history of nationalism. Um, so it's kind of, but with cooperation, I think it's more than cooperation. The sense of connectedness, sense of shared uh, suffering, and sense of shared political goal or uh, connectedness in terms in terms of, I think that that was very prominent, in my opinion. Uh, because of Kurds from different political backgrounds, ideological uh, positions, and so on and so forth, uh, you know, felt connected. I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk on behalf of how they felt because I'm, and it's not my position to do that. I wouldn't claim to say this is what Kurds feel or they do, but at least, uh, you know, talking to friends, talking to people, uh, and reading the newspapers and conversations, there was a definitely, I think, a clearly observable sense of connectedness and solidarity in that process. Definitely. And uh, the, the other question is if it's going to be sustainable or not, and what are the other challenges? And I think that's what we are trying to do also in this example, or it's my reading that you also try to show us uh, this, this, um, this controversies. Uh, it, so it means that there's not only uh, one way out of the picture, right? Uh, so uh, that's why uh, it was also interesting uh, to uh, see how competition grows together with cooperation and connectedness, as you said, at the same time. So Zeynep, uh, I have two more questions before we go. I also don't want to take uh, so much of your time. Uh, so I'm really curious about this question now that I will ask. If you had a chance to go back, uh, what would you add onto your analysis of history uh, oh. and self-determination? Oh, it's so much, so much stuff I would like to add. <laughs> um, what would be the most? I, I think one of the. Um, I would have loved to add more um, kind of insights from the publications that are uh, produced um, in Turkey, in Syria, in Iraq, in Iran uh, by Kurdish or non-Kurdish scholars. But you know, basically, scholars who have been who live in the region and who produce uh, those works, more kind of historical works as well. I think I would have loved to do that. Um, the thing is that because I was 
I was going through, I was, I had to look into so many different literatures and, and explore so many different ideas. I was really uh, processing too much information. So it just, but there was never enough time for anything. So if, if I was to go back, I, you know, I would have wanted to uh, spend more time doing that. And the other thing I would have liked to do uh, was to spend more time in the archives. Um, especially I found the, you know, the colonial period or the early 20th century period really fascinating. Uh, and I, um, uh, I had learned, I, I, in the process, I learned uh, how to read uh, Ottoman, uh, the old language with Arabic alphabets. So I wanted to go, go to the archives and uh, read uh, read the resources there, but again, never enough time because you know, like as you, as you know, PhD is just four years, um, and life happens. You know, I had a, I have a, I had a daughter, a you know, three three year old girl, um, and I was also uh, supporting myself financially. You know, teaching and uh, and trying to do a PhD, so working like almost full time, doing a PhD, having a child. Uh, going through a divorce so it's just like you know life just gets in the way of so much uh, stuff that you want to do uh, so basically yeah I would have if I was to go back I would have liked to have more time uh, and explore those especially those two two uh, sources more uh, and incorporate them into into the analysis yes thank you um, of course, uh, learning Ottoman is uh, is not easy task, I think. But uh, here, I think in this book, he achieved something more difficult than that. And I don't want to uh, underestimate uh, anyone's contribution here. In this uh, book, uh, you use historical materials uh, to um, to make us understand and to explain some normative questions, which is uh quite rare uh in the in the literature in the in this scholarship actually because most of the history, historians i think they know history well they know how to read archives but when it comes to these kind of uh, ongoing discussions in ir or in other fields of political science we don't uh, see many people who can do both right so um that's why i think uh, i strongly recommend everyone uh, to read the book uh, so we can have uh more exchange uh, on the book, uh, and uh, we can also learn uh, more from each other. Uh, so the final question, uh, Zeynep, uh, again, um, this is uh, coming from the personal side of me. <laughs> um, I'm really uh, curious uh, whether you have any suggestions or advice for PhD students or other scholars interested in similar topics such as Kurds, Kurdistan, history, international relations, political geography, and so forth. I think um, intellectually, I think one of the things that are um, interesting to explore um, is these, you know, how how Kurdish political actors and Kurdish politics on the ground is um, contributing to the change uh, in the Middle East, in the region, and internationally, you know, challenging or contributing to these um, ideas around nationalism, territory, politics, democracy, uh, human rights, you know. So there is a lot of, there is a lot to 
you know, like any case is very rich. Uh, so is the Kurdish case. But the Kurdish case is particularly rich because it's uh, situated in a very interesting long-term historical context. You know, the Ottoman and post-Ottoman World War One processes, um, the nature, you know, the, the the politics of the Middle East, um, that history, and then uh, four different nation states, um, uh, and then the Kurds uh, as as a marginalized uh, group. Uh, you know, the, the discussions around that is embedded in democracy and human rights and several several aspects so it's a it's a case that can be can contribute immensely into wider debates in the literature uh, on in IR or in political geography or uh, or history uh, and I think uh, you know like more more kind of theoretical conceptual discussions on on building on this empirical case uh, would be fascinating to see um and uh, i was some that was something i was really uh, i really wanted to see in the when i was you know any reading the books on the kurds and and articles on the kurds um um i wasn't able to find uh too much you know uh, what's to say conceptual theoretical um you know things to kind of you know Dig my dig my teeth into and then explore uh, and and it's absolutely great to do to do that in the in the long term. Um, the other thing um, I would say um, it's a lot of you know it's a very because it's this, it's a very sensitive topic. There is a lot of you know personal uh, you know what's that called? I found I found personally I find I found the whole. Uh, PhD process sometimes uh, emotionally difficult. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of like boundaries and divisions and polarizations that happens in politi any political issue, and and these are very you know obviously that's kind of what makes discussions very rich and important. Uh, but then this sometimes comes with a personal cost, um, um, and and you know this you know. And hinders conversation and and interaction and dialogue sometimes, in my opinion. Um, and this is the case, I think, in many politically sensitive issues, so is, as well as in the case of the Kurds. So um, I would suggest to PhD students in the future to kind of, um, you know, talk to anyone, whatever their background is, or or their intellectual position is, or their ideological political position is, you know. Um, and there is a lot to be discussed in that in that in that you know intellectual dimension as well, um, and um, you know keeping the dialogue open, keeping the conversation open, uh, so that the Kurdish you know the literature on the Kurds um, progresses uh, you know more quickly and and grows even even more than it is now. I completely agree, uh, and also I hope young people, especially emerging scholars and the youth, especially Kurdish youth, uh, will also find this podcast inspiring, uh, Zeynep. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, I was very happy to have you today as our first, first guest for the Kurdish Studies series of uh, New Books Network. Thank you, Dilan, for having me on board, and thank you very much for your kind words. Uh, on my book and it was lovely to talk to you um, and wishing you all the best uh, for the podcast going forward thank you very much Zainab